Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies and huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot Z A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Interesting piece involving uh, Jonathan Marsh, a show that ran in uh, ESPN. Uh, he, of course, played his, for the Vegas uh, Golden Knights, part of uh, a poor decision by the Florida Panthers. The guy's a good top six forward. Um, as many of you know, the numbers regarding COVID have escalated here a bit in Edmonton over the course of the last month and a half, though there have been zero positive tests in the actual bubble. Edmonton now is up to... 2,500 positive cases, 56 deaths. The positivity rate based on the 225,000 tests is just over 1% uh, for Edmonton. To put things in perspective, Vegas, which was a front runner for a while, uh, and the Edmonton Health District is a 1.3 million person health district in the province of Alberta. Clark County in Vegas is a 2.3 million population base in vegas uh they currently uh have over fifty thousand total cases uh so that would be about 23 times the amount of edmonton and uh they're at 869 deaths which would be about 17 times that of uh, Edmonton. So, but, but, and again, I, hey, Marsha, so everything that he said in his piece was completely fair. I just, I know some people have said, hey, update some numbers, and the league made the right choice, and they've been able to contain it in Toronto and in Edmonton. It's been, and there have been actually stories in on ESPN that positively reflect the fact that there's been zero positive tests in the bubble. He's not in the bubble, but he is broadcasting the games in the building, and he is our headliner today. For touchback safety, touchback remains open for training, taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. Louis DeBrusque. Hi, Louis. How are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good. And it is... It's a little bit remarkable. We've got, what are we, about three weeks, four weeks now into this situation? I mean, we started back on the 26th when everybody rolled into town. Not one positive test between Edmonton and Toronto. That bodes well for the league, doesn't it, Louie? Yeah, it really does. It's impressive, to be honest with you. And I, 
you know, you and I talked about this at length building up to this. It, what Were they going to be able to pull this off? And that was the big question mark. And I have to tell you, I've just been really impressed with everybody that's involved, right from the setups in both hub cities have been fantastic, the players, the, the team, every personnel that's working in each hub um, have just been really diligent in making sure they're doing this the right way. And incredible, really incredible. You know what, I, I, I honestly... Uh, had some doubts that they were going to be able to do this without having some some COVID seep in somewhere or en route, but uh, so far so good, and we just got to cross our fingers as they continue to do so. Louis, we get about, uh, some days we get anywhere from 800 to 1,200 texts a day, and it's become a text-in show, not a call-in show anymore, as we're talking to Louis DeBrusque on a River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. This text comes to us from Sean. If you're Taylor Hall, knowing that the cap is what it is, with everything being frozen, would he be smart signing two years or something, then hitting free agency again in a couple of years when things are hopefully back to normal? That comes to us from Sean. I think uh, I think it would give him more options, Bob. Yeah, you know, if he, if, if, if he was to do it that way, he's the Marion Hosa. Yeah, absolutely. You know, listen, he's getting to a stage in his career, in my opinion. This is just my opinion. <clears throat> Excuse me, but exactly like Marion Hosa. And I, and I wasn't happy to see Hosa leave uh, and, and move to the rival um, and then lose it, which was which I thought was good. Marion Hosa, just, you know, one of my favorite players of all time. I just didn't like the fact that he went to the Stanley Cup final, lost with one team, and went to the team that beat him, and then lost to that team that he left. I thought that was kind of karma on his side, but then he went to the Hawks, and you know, that's really where he made his statement in his career and won, won three cups. So um, good on him. But for Taylor Hall, yeah, he now has the opportunity to look around and say, okay, um, where can I go that gives me the best chance to win? Where can I go that gives me the best chance to play with players that, you know, he might best suit his, his needs? And that might be in Arizona. Who knows? He might still settle and say, you know what, um, I liked it here and I want to stay here. But now he can look at all the options and, and make that decision. And it probably will be on a short-term basis. And he has that luxury to do that and then go right back to the drawing board in a couple of years and, and maybe get his big ticket then. I'm not sure. Maybe he's looking for a real long-term and he wants that security. But this does certainly open up some options for him, and maybe it's the smart move. Well, and I know we've talked a bit about Tyson Berry as well. And obviously the Oilers would have to move out a contract on the back end. But uh, that's a guy poised for me for a bounce back. And he has a complete – the like the Oilers, to me, Louis, have to improve their transition game. And Tyson's got that type of – I mean, I look at the year in Toronto. I mean, maybe we have to do this for everything that's occurred this year. It's 2020. Like, 2020 is yeah. telling us, that, like, I'd like to make plans, Gary, but I don't know when we're going to get back to playing. We're, we, we're still trying to finish off this season. Uh, I have no idea. You know, it, it shows us how power, uh, powerless we are dealing with this. Uh, but in terms of Tyson Berry, is that a player that could potentially intrigue you? There's no question his offensive game is incredible. I mean, look what he did for years in Colorado. Now, the only reason that he really... I, I believe the part from there was because Cal McCarr came in and in one playoff season, they realized this guy was special. And, you know, that kind of leads me to another point, though. You have to kind of, you look at the last three really impactful defensemen. I'm doing two series that has two of them. Uh, Miro Haskin is incredible for the Dallas Stars yeah. um, that I'll see tonight. Uh, Quinn Hughes for the Vancouver Canucks last night. I mean, what he's doing is incredible. Um, Kale McCarr, another young defenseman that just jumped right into the league. I mean, listen, the New York Rangers have a couple of young guys they they brought in there, too, that have done well. Fox had a terrific year this year. Um, you have to start looking at that from a different perspective as far as from a de- 
defenseman's perspective, in my opinion. Um, you have to think outside the box, and you have to try and find one of those guys that can step into your lineup and do that. Now, those are special players. They don't grow on trees. I understand that. Yeah. But you know what? Here's the thing. There's players like that out there. Every single couple of years, we see players come along that you know are, are really impactful offensive defensemen that you can work on their defensive game, and they become studs in your defensive line. So Edmonton needs that. Tyson Berry, listen, he's getting a little long in the tooth. He's been around for a while. Um, I don't think he really excelled in Toronto, but there's no question he has an amazing offensive side to his game. So if he was to step in here, he would be given every opportunity to deploy that, which is great. But it's the whole aspect of his game as well. I just think he might be better off trying to really do the research and find one and develop one, in my yeah. opinion. 57 and 59 points his last two years in Colorado. Uh, marginal minus his last year. And the way stats work, Louie, that plays a factor. Because if he's on the ice for a goal against while he's on the power play, people people look at plus minus. And this this happened with the uh, Leon Dreisaitl this year, Louie. Leon was, he was plus in empty nets, right? Leon was plus seven, five on five. Plus seven. But he was on the ice for 10 shorthanded goals against, and the Oilers had the best power play in 40 years. Every coach in the league would take that trade off of, yeah, we gave up 10 shorties, but you know what? <laughs> we scored 59 power play goals in 71 games. Like, you'd take that all day. So maybe you know, maybe think, that's... Uh, the plus that a, minus for me comes into play more when, when, when players aren't playing well and when they're playing great. You know, if they're playing great and their plus minus is amazing... Um, then, you know, it's easy to talk about and say they're playing a 200-foot game. If their their game isn't going very well and the team is losing, a plus-minus is a stat that you just go to. Because, let's face it, you do have to try and take care of 5-on-5 five five the best that yeah. you can, and that's really reflective of the plus-minus is 5-on-5. Five five. But there are situations, no question, especially for the most offensive players, they 100%. get burned. They get, they get burned. burned. And I don't really agree with it, to be honest, but that's just the reality of it. That's just the reality of it. When the player can shoot a puck down the ice and put it into an open net, you're going to get a dash because you've got an extra attacker on the ice. That's just, I really think that as a, internally as a whole, I think they don't really take those into consideration. But the five-on-five, five, they certainly do. There's no question. Who is the guy? Five play. Yeah, somebody can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. The guy from Washington played for the Hitman. Um, had Calgary Hitman. He, I think he led the league in plus-minus one year. The year Washington was just, you know, like a 55-win team or whatever. And obviously he was out there uh, at the end of the games and in a defensive role, and they got some empty net goals, and it spiked his number. Was it Schultz? Jeff Schultz? I'm trying to think. Anyways, I forget. It, it just showed. I mean, there, there is a guy that, uh, if I recall correctly, Jerry Johansson had him, and I mean, he was out of the league within a couple, three or four years after having that incredible year. So let's get to the series that you're, because uh, you're working two beauties. Like, I think the Calgary-Dallas series and the St. Louis-Vancouver are the, the best two series. Maybe it's my Western bias. I don't know. We'll start with the Canucks and St. Louis and freshest in your mind last night. Got to give the Canucks credit. They found a way last night, Louie. It's incredible. They really did. I, to be honest, when it was 3-1 in the second period, I don't think there were too many people that thought they were going to storm back and win that game. I just think that it was, you know what, it's, it just starts off slowly. But it's amazing how it can. You start to do the right things. You start to spend a little more time in the offensive zone. You start to win a few puck battles, and all of a sudden, shift after shift. And that was really what I saw in the game was the momentum built from the, from the line out there before the next line that jumps on the ice. 
And you hear so many coaches talk about that. Try and build the shift and leave it in a good position for the next shift coming on so that they can come out and do the exact same thing. And it was almost like two or three shifts in a row that they started to wear down. And especially against the O'Reilly line, there was some real good shifts by Bo Horvat in the second period against O'Reilly where they just played him more physical. They started to play Braden Shen more physical. They started to make them defend a little bit more, and they didn't spend very much time in their zone. We had a stat last night that we ran. Um, their possession time in the second period was over a minute more than the St. Louis Blues. That's incredible. That's, that, that's a team that's very difficult to play that game against. But they got timely scoring. I mean, Tyler Mott stepped up with a couple huge goals. Jake Bertanen, you know, made his presence felt in the series where he started to get a little better each and every game. He had that overtime penalty. And, you know, listen, he's had a tough series as far as getting traction in it. But Travis Green believed in him and kept chucking him out there. And you know what? It paid off. This team, the Canucks, in my opinion, just... They do believe. They have a belief that they can play against anybody. They understand they're going up against the best from last year in the St. Louis Blues, but they understand that they have to go toe-to-toe with this team or else they're going to get beat because you cannot sit back against St. Louis. They're just too good at it. They will run you over if you do that. And they pushed back last night. It's become a real, real good series. No, it's been an excellent series. And Canucks have got some depth right now. They're going to have to pay some guys in the next couple of years. Louie, it was Jeff Schultz. He went plus 50 in 2009-2010. That's the year Gabby, Bruce Boudreaux, had the Capitals with 54 wins. And if I recall correctly, it may have been Montreal that knocked him off that year. Somebody upset. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline them in the first round but uh they had a bunch of guys that were like plus 35 to plus 50 during the course of that season yep. louis debras from nhl hockey and rogers uh he is joining us right now on oilers now and he's uh, worth the two uh western canadian series uh louis is our headliner for touchback safety so let's get to it louis calgary in dallas tonight game six um flames had the stars on the ropes and the stars have punched their way back uh, first of all cam talbot He's he's played tremendously well for Calgary, hasn't he? He has, and it's so good to see you and I have spent time with Cam, obviously covering him when he was with the Oilers, and he's just such a such a a good human being. So you always you always kind of root for those kind of guys that just seem to be um, great individuals that the team seems to really like. He had a, he had a couple tough situations in Edmonton where after a great season where he set records for the Oilers, it just didn't quite work out for Cam, but it's nice to see him back on his feet, and he is. He's been playing great. You know, that Dallas Stars team is another team that they play that type of a system where when they start to roll, they can just make you defend so often, and they make you make mistakes, and they force those from you because of that pressure and that physicality, and very similar to the St. Louis Blues in that regard. Great sticks to the neutral zone. They clog things up, but I do believe the Flames also are a team that have, have have won by committee. They've gotten some big games from different players throughout these playoffs to be able to allow them to step up and really compete against the big boys. Um, Matthew Kachuk out of the lineup is a big loss for them. There's no question Huge. about that. He's questionable for tonight, yeah. and I don't know if he's going to play. And, I, and, and just so you know, I believe it's the right call. Any Anytime it's a head injury like that, um, yeah. 
which we feel it is because he went off a little wobbly. He did hit his head pretty hard. If that's the case, you, you just have to be cautious with that. And he's just he's a young player. You don't want to mess around with that. And I know that there's, he's, there's nothing he'd probably rather do than step into that lineup, but you just don't want to take that chance. I think they've done a, a nice job without him for guys to fill in, but they're going to have to do it by committee tonight to beat the Dallas Stars because the Stars have a little bit of a role now and they have belief. And let's face it, they, they are going to need a big game from their big line. I think their big line is going to have to come up big and their big players are going to have to produce. They're going to have to do it as a whole. I'm not putting it all on them, but your best players have to be your best players, but everybody has to come to play tonight if they want to extend the series. Well, I was having uh, this conversation today because, you know, there was some criticism directed McDavid and Drysaddle's way for the Oilers not getting uh, through that qualifier, and they were productive players. And I said that, you know, if they didn't put up any points, I mean, their job's to score, and if they don't score and the Oilers get a 920 save percentage from their goalies, then the heat's going to come their way. Well, I'm looking at Calgary and what's occurred here, and the Flames have gotten the stop so far. Uh, yep. from Cam Talbot, and they have gotten secondary scoring. Sam Bennett's been their leading scorer in the the series against Dallas. But, Louie, uh, Sean Monaghan, Johnny Goodrow, they do not have an even-strength point in the series. It's crazy when you think about it, isn't it? Lindholm, Lindholm is goalless, and he was their leader in goals this year. So, you know, here's the thing. I know that similar to the Vancouver-St. Louis series, this is a tight-checking series as well. It is. I mean, there's just no question. You watch these games, and we said right from the get-go, Chris and I, when watching both the Vancouver Canucks and the Flames play in both of the series they had in the qualifying round and into this first round, the most defensively hard-checking from both teams in, in the playoffs, in my opinion. It's just been real tight, physical, sticky. It's just It's been one of those battles, and in those types of battles, you're just not going to have the elevated goal scoring. And a lot of times, it is going to be one of the other lines that breaks through, but you have to try and neutralize the, team, the line you're going up against. And that's really difficult. That's a difficult thing to do. The top line of the Stars has started to shine a bit. Jamie Bennis certainly woke up, scored a shorthanded goal last game. Um, not that he wasn't existent. That's not what I'm trying to say. He's just, for me, one of those guys that is so impactful when he's playing at the top of his game. Well, he's woken up. He's, he's kind of got himself into the series now. Sagan's starting to move. Radulov's starting to go. They're going to be a handful. But I agree. The top line, you have to find ways. And, and I think sometimes, to be honest, when it's a real tight checking series and a tight checking game, it forces you to want to make that extra play. It forces you to want to try and make the perfect pass. And a lot of times, that's not what you have to do. You have to just buckle down, grit a shot through, get traffic in front, score a greasy one, just find a way to manufacture some offense. If you're not manufacturing offense, you're drawing a penalty potentially. You just have to create that chaos in the offensive zone. That hasn't happened enough for the big line. I do think they were better, though, in Game 5. I really do. I thought that Gaudreau started to move his feet, started to carry the puck, started to create that, did draw a penalty, which is which is when you know he's playing that type of game. For me, Sean Monaghan, I just think he needs to get trigger happy. I really do. I think he needs, he's got a terrific shot. He's scored, never scored less than 20 goals in his career. This guy can put the puck in the net, and he just needs to find that confidence and get that shot through on a more regular basis. Lindholm does a lot more other things. Uh, there's no question he's an excellent penalty killer. He's out there in crucial situations, but uh, he's not getting that shot away as much, in my opinion, too. He finally did break through with four shots in the last game where you started to notice that he was becoming dangerous, and I do believe that's a good sign moving forward. But 
they're going to have to have a big one tonight. They got two guys that have changed the complexion of their team, and we talked about what happened this year with Edmonton Louie, the additions of Bear on defense and Yamamoto after Christmas, and that's part of the Oilers' regular season success. Unfortunately, it did not translate into uh, success in the qualifier. But for Calgary, uh, in a player that I, I've liked for a couple of years, and anybody listening to the show or to our broadcast knows this, but Dylan Dubé is uh, now a legitimate, impactful player in the NHL. Good top nine player. Uh, he's going to be a top six player for him. And then a guy that, to be frank with you, I know he put up big numbers playing for Dale Howard, Chuck and Barry. Uh, Rich Winter will not like this because he represents them. But uh, I, I was not the biggest believer in Andrew Maggiapani. Uh, and it's hard not to notice him out there. He's involved. He's got a little bit of bite in his game that I don't recall when I'd watch, uh, you know, you certainly see reports on him in junior and that sort of thing. They got two top nine guys there that have kind of changed the complexion of the makeup of that hockey team, Louie. And it's injected that bite and that speed. I mean, both of those players play with a lot of jam, and that's the thing that I, I underrated for sure. And Manjapani, I mean, he's tenacious on the ice, and I compared him a little bit to Yamamoto in one of the games, but what he brings to the table. And, um, you know, with Kachuk in the lineup, him, Backlund, and Kachuk on that line were, were a force. They were buzzing around. There was a lot of chemistry, and that's, again, where they missed Matthew Kachuk on five-on-five situations as well. Not just the power play in front of the net. He was their most offensive player this year, but they miss him in a lot of different areas. But there's no question that the injection of Dupe and Mangiapane make them faster, make them quicker, make them more tenacious on pucks, allow them to have more possession. Dupe, you know, I mean, he was a star. Um, in game number one, had a couple terrific goals, a beauty where he drove into the net and tucked it home, and then he scored again the next game. Um, dropped off a little bit the last few games, but that's just the Dallas Stars having worked back into the series, in my opinion, and just playing a harder game. And when you play games like that, you're going to get a little more attention. Mangiapane was really physical in a couple of the games, like seven hits and just running around and really, really um you know, trying to lay the body on people. And there's a part of me that maybe thinks that wore him down a little bit. You know, he, he just, you know, he's not that big of a guy. When you play that way against a big team, it's going to take a little bit of that punishment. Um, I think he could probably, you know, do the same thing, but maybe not look for the huge hit all the time, more be puck focused and just be really aggressive on bodies when you have a real great opportunity to hit somebody. But I love that jam. I really do. I love the fact that they come to play, they move their feet and, uh, as a defender, there's no question going back they can hear these guys coming because they're fast. Should be a fun next couple nights for you, Louie, down at Rogers Place. Thank you again for your time. Yeah, for sure, Bob. Looking forward to it. That is Louis DeBrusque from NHL Hawk and Rogers. Louis, of course, a former Edmonton Oiler player. And a special shout-out at this time and a thanks and an assist uh, to Cam Tate, who does some great work for the Oilers Entertainment Group, for reminding me that it is Al Hamilton's birthday today. Al Hamilton, the uh, first uh, Oiler player to have his jersey retired uh, at the age of 74, a terrific uh, defenseman in the embryonic stages of the World Hockey Association, uh, made more money playing for the old Alberta slash Edmonton Oilers than he did for the Buffalo Sabres, 74 years of age. He later coached the uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders, small world, but he coached Ian Gallagher. Uh, who would later go on to be the trainer for the Vancouver Giants for Milan Lucic as well as Evander Kane and, of course, is the father of Montreal Canadiens uh, forward Brendan Gallagher. Brendan had a lot more skill than Ian. Uh, Ian, (laughs) for anybody who grew up in South Edmonton in the late 1980s, Ian was the type of guy you wanted to avoid. 
Let's just put it that way. He could uh, tear you apart in a hurry. He is a nasty piece of business back in the day. All right. Uh, reminder, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. Don't be offended if we don't get to your text. Um uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, we get lots of texts today. Coach Mike Texas showed us saying, until this organization wins something or goes deep into the multiple uh, playoffs multiple times, and it's not better than anybody from Coach uh, Mike. Well, it's a perspective. But some people would say that the 71-game regular season – uh, should matter a little bit, especially if there was season-to-season improvement. Uh, hey, Bob, what does Louie think of that DeBrus kid in Boston? Well, uh, yeah, that's a tough one to ask the dad. That's all I'm going to say. I think Jake DeBrusk uh, is a legit top six forward. He's got to make 5 to $6 million per. Looking forward to it. And uh, this texter comes in. Bob, it took Alexander Ovechkin 12 years to win a Stanley Cup. Was it 12 or 13? Anyhow, hopefully we won't uh, uh, wait that long. But Oilers fans just need to cool it for a while. Take a trip out to Lake Wobbaman and have a nice, cool swim. Are you allowed to swim in Lake Wobbaman? Is that a couple of changes on the fence and a new backup goalie? And we are playoff bound. All right. Uh, keep texting us on our Ashley Five Floors text line off to a global news weather traffic update. Uh, with Kerry McCarthy and Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack at 104 today. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.